Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. ironic that on Valentine's Day we'll start a series called The Heart Matters. Now remember, the heart, uh, I know we think of it as the seat of emotion, the seat where we have all the good feelings towards those that we love. But for Jesus' day and age, we have been saying in our last series that it is the seat of desire. And that's why last week Jesus was able to very commonly say, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What you desire, what's in the seat of your desire, your heart, you will have, you will build up treasures there. Today, we begin a series. This is going to be our Lenten series. And so this is going to follow us right through. We're going to begin kind of a setting everything up today. And then starting Ash Wednesday, we will begin our series in full. And we're going to be looking at something uh, that is a part of Lent, and that is the seven deadly sins. The season of Lent is a season where the church says repeatedly, we need to look at sin. We need to look and let God search our hearts and see where sin has taken hold and where we need Him to release us from. So today we're going to set this up, and I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles or on your Bible app to Romans chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. Romans chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. And I'm going to be reading today from the English Standard Version. And so if you have a Bible app that can switch versions really quick, go ahead, you can find that, ESV it will say. And uh, if you are reading NIV, you'll be able to follow along. It'll be okay. Hear the word of the Lord this morning from Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And all God's people said, thanks be to God. That is our response. I love this last uh, verse, verse 23. It, it seems to hold the balance of what we're going to be doing throughout this series. Each service, we will be looking at the balance that is here. I, I almost don't want to say balance We'll be looking at two sides because this is heavily weighted in one direction and you're going to see this in just a second. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So throughout this entire series, we will be taking seriously, we will be taking sin very seriously. But we will not be taking it as superior to our Savior. Can I get an amen? We will be taking sin seriously, but not as superior to what Jesus, our Savior, has done. That's the, that's the tension into which we will be traveling all throughout Lent as we look very seriously at sin, but not considering it superior. So what does it mean when we say sin is serious but not superior? I love this quote by Karl Barth. It really gets at the heart of it. He writes, We must take care not to take sin too seriously. Satan must not be honored in any way, especially not honored with our sustained intellectual fascination with sin. Sometimes as preachers, we can do that. We can get really talking about sin and building up how powerful sin is, and we can talk about how it's in your life and it's in my life. We can really build this up and kind of get fascinated, almost set up this dualism where we make Satan almost as powerful as Jesus. Because of sin in our lives. And Karl Barth says, we cannot do that. He goes on and says, sin is real, yes. Sin is pervasive, yes. And it's deadly. But it is finally defeated. So I want you to hear that. You online, I want you to hear that. That this is the tension we will be wrestling with. We're going to take this very seriously. But it is not superior to the work of Jesus Christ in a human being's life. It is not superior to His love, His mercy, His ability to forgive, and the Holy Spirit's ability to empower you to live as He calls. I want you to hear that. I want you to know that as we jump in. So we're going to move to that next slide, James, where we, where we look and take sin seriously. And we're going to look at this in three ways. We're going to look at this first side, the, the sin, taking sin seriously. We are going to say that sin is personal, it is pervasive, and it is poisonous. How's that for serious? What do I mean by sin is personal? Let's take a look at this. Because the word personal can mean a few different things. The first way that I think personal can mean, that the first definition of personal would be that Personal can mean real. It's something that is really real. This personal uh, sin is real. And there's another quote. I want, to, I want to read this quote to you because I, I found it very fascinating. This is actually from a philosopher in Cambridge. James, if you can skip ahead a couple slides there. Um, this is from Herbert Butterfield. What a great British name. Herbert Butterfield. He says, the doctrine of sin is the only empirically verifiable Christian doctrine. Even those who do not know that Jesus Christ is Lord know sin. In other words, just check your Facebook, check your news source, Google, whatever. You'll find that sin is here and it is real. You've seen it. You've watched it on your televisions. You've watched it in your Facebook feed. You know sin is real. And when it becomes 
personable. When it becomes personal, it's, it's, it's easy to talk about the earthquake in Japan way over there, but it's more real, it's more personable when the ground starts shaking under your feet. Right? Trust me, I lived in Southern California. It is not fun. It is real. And it is personal. <laughs> but number two, personal can mean you. Let's go back to our first verse there. What do I mean by personal? It can be personal. It can be you. Well, let me get to my verse there. Paul says, right there at the beginning, for when you were slaves of sin. Notice what Paul does not say. Paul does not say, when they were slaves of sin. So sin being personal personal means it's real, but it also means that it's about you. And, of course, about me. It's about me, too. When we look at sin, it's easy to deflect and talk about they, but during this series and during this season of Lent, we are asking you, we are being invited to go in and look at this personally, that it's real, and that we are to pick up the shattered shards of the mirror that sin has broken and take a long look in the mirror. Sin is personal. It's real. And it's about you. Third, sin sin can appear small. Personal can mean small. Like, think about it, right? Like, Personal pan pizza? Is that like this? No. It's barely a mouthful. It's like this. Personal DVD players? Do they still have those? I remember our son was so excited on those long trips when he could have his personal DVD player. It's small. It's compact. It's right there. Personal computing device? All of these things... It can mean small. And the sins, these seven deadly sins that we're going to look at, they do seem so small and trivial. I mean, who wants to talk about pride and sloth when there are such big sins like racism and murder and genocide in our world? But that's another way of pointing out there and not letting the reality of sin come home to be personal here to be about me, to be about you. Remember, avalanches can start with the smallest stones. You cannot have murder and genocide without some combination of anger, envy, pride, greed, and the like. Sin is personal. But this leads us into the next part. Sin is also pervasive. Now, Gregory the Great is the one that kind of got us to talk about the seven deadly sins. They weren't originally called the seven deadly sins. They were called the seven capital sins. Capital means, in Latin, it means the head or the beginning. And he would quote, this is his quote about the seven capital sins. The seven capital sins are leaders of wicked armies. So they may appear small. But he goes on to say that the reason why they are leaders of wicked armies is that they multiply. They multiply. They just reproduce themselves over and over and over and over again. And it gets very messy. The way I think about this multiplying messiness 
uh, it happened in my house last week. I thought, you know, have the afternoon. This would be a good time to drain the water heater, get rid of the sediment. I've had a lot of a lot of uh, work on the water lines over in my neighborhood, and so decided I'll do that. So I hooked up the hose. I I, I consulted Doctor YouTube so that uh, I knew how to do this. Got it, the hose hooked over to the drain and uh, opened it up. I, and I was told that you have to open that pressure release valve. So I opened that up and everything drained out. Took a little longer than I thought it would, but, but it did. It, it finally emptied out and now it was time to fill up a little bit, to stir it up and then let that drain out and fill it up a little bit, stir all that up and get rid of that sediment. You think you know where this metaphor is going. Stir it up. Get, Now it was time. All the water was running clear. I was feeling so good. Dr. YouTube would give me an A on this assignment. And then I began to fill up the tank. And I knew that you were supposed to leave that pressure release valve a little open, so as it goes up, it wouldn't build up too much. But then I got distracted, talking with my son about some interesting Lego thing or something along those lines. And it wasn't until I heard water pouring out of the bucket that was already full that I realized that the water had multiplied. And when I ran down in the basement, it had gotten very messy. In fact, it got everywhere. I can't imagine how much water got in so many places in so little time. It drained over here underneath the cabinet, the, the countertops. It had, it had drained over into the Christmas gear. It had drained this way and into my equipment uh, for working out, which is sitting there rusting. It drained. It got everywhere. And the same can be said about the pervasiveness of sin, even the ones we don't typically want to look at inside of us, like the seven capital sins. But you let them go. And they will get into everything. And they will get messy. Maybe that's why Paul in verse 21 says, But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Fruit in proportion to the tree, is it a big thing or a small thing? Pretty small. But if you let a bunch of them drop off and you leave them there and they get fertilized, then you're going to have a whole lot more of whatever is growing. Maybe a better metaphor is weeds. What fruit is coming off that tree? Paul says when it's sin, it leads to death. That is what you get. And that sin is personal. It is pervasive. And finally, it is, it is poisonous. I mean, we've already talked that the fruit that comes from these things in our lives is death. Poison, when it gets into our system, slowly breaks down healthy systems, causes them to shut down, and eventually, if not treated immediately, brings death. And death is the end of relationships. Think about that for a second. This Wednesday will be the eighth anniversary of the death of my father. 
And one of the hardest parts about that is that I can't hear him speak anymore. That relationship as a two-way street where I could talk with him and he could talk back, it has ended and it is painful to this day. And Paul says sin, the fruit of sin, even things that seem small like pride and envy and sloth and greed and gluttony, those things bring death to relationships. They bring death to our relationship to each other. How many of you like being around a prideful person? How many of you like being around angry people? How many of you like being around greedy people? Nobody? Because it brings death to a relationship when someone is only thinking about themselves. It's not just that it brings death to others, to the relationship with others. It also brings a slow death to the individual themselves. Think about this. A prideful person, if that's never checked in love, if it's never dealt with in the heart, leads a person to become a narcissist. A greedy person can become a miser. They cease to function in ways that you and I would say are human. It is a death of a relationship with the healthy self. And Scripture tells us, That while God is constantly at work trying to call you, trying to call me to deal with sin and to know that He can help with that sin, if that is never allowed, it breaks down the relationship with God Himself. It is poisonous to our relationships. This is real, folks. This is personal. This is pervasive. This is poisonous. Am I serious enough? Some of you might be saying, uh, when is Easter? Can I just like skip, skip over to there? We'll just uh, check it. You're going to sign off now, Pastor Jeff. We'll see you at Easter. We can't wait for the celebration. Woo! Don't worry. Remember, we're taking sin seriously, but it is not what? Superior. It is not superior to Jesus. We will be looking, each service we will look at how that particular deadly sin, this Wednesday we'll start with pride, we'll look at that particular deadly sin and show how it is personal, how it is pervasive, and how it poisons relationships. This is what we will do. This is how we jump into the serious side. But before we jump, but before you get too scared, before you shut down, before you say, I'm not going there, Pastor Jeff, I want to remind you that while sin is personal and pervasive and poisonous, it is not superior to what Jesus can do. Look at our, look at our passage there, uh, that, that we have as we get to that last verse. For the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want I want to send you out with some encouraging words. I want you to, I want you to see in verse 22 that Paul writes, but now, everybody say, but now. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, which is eternal life. Let me share this good news with you. If the people of Rome could be set free from sin, then you can too. You can. You can. You can. You online. If the people of Rome, which was one of the most decadent cities of its age, if they could be sanctified and made holy, healthy all the way through, if that could be the fruit of what God does in them, then that means that we can too. If the people of Rome can receive the free gift of God that is eternal life, a life that is so strong that it is here now, it cannot be taken away by death. If the people of Rome can receive the free gift of God, then that means that you can too. And I can too. And we can together. This is good news. It is a serious thing that we are going to look at over these next services. But it is all is going to be reminded that sin is serious, but it is not superior to the free gift of God, which is eternal life. And it comes only in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you see how this is in balance? Because when Jesus gets on the other side of the scale, it tips very heavily. In his favor. It is in Jesus that we find this free gift. It is in Jesus that the fruit of sanctification, which is a, a fancy word of saying that setting aside our lives for Jesus' purpose, for the purposes of God, it is allow, no longer allowing sin to reign. We are set free from sin and sin's rule and reign. It is that sanctification work that leads to a holy, healthy life. This freedom is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This freedom is found simply And granted to you or to me or to you online, wherever you are, by simply calling on His name. To call on the name of the One who God promised to Adam and Eve in the garden, who would come and crush the head of sin's serpent and would take the wound of sin into His very life and yet somehow bring victory out of what seems like defeat. In the name of the One who was the seed of Abraham that was promised that through Him, through that seed, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. In the name of the One 
who comes from the line of Judah, who was promised, would be the king of whose kingdom would never end. And then that promise was repeated in the name of the one who was told to David would set up a kingdom that would never die. In the name of the one that the prophets told us would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and that through His stripes you and I would be healed. In the name of the One that John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't medicate it. He takes it away. In the name of the One that the centurion soldier at the cross said, Surely this man was God's Son. In the name of of the one that Paul told that little Roman congregation so long ago that they could receive the free gift of God, which is eternal life. That they could be set free from sin. That their lives could be set apart for His purposes and goodness. That they could live in full relationship with God, with others, and finally, with a healthy set free human self. It's in that name. The name of Jesus. That we are going to walk and allow Him to look at our very personal, our very pervasive, and our very poisonous sin. Does that help you? Are you ready to go on that walk, on that journey? I hope so. We have a song that's going to kind of lead us through this whole series. We'll sing it in some form or fashion at every service to remind us that in the name of Jesus, we have life. And therefore, we can allow Him to look at our sin and set us free. Would you bow your heads? Father, we come again in the name of Jesus. And we want you to take a serious look at the sin in our lives that is so real. It's what we deal with, what I deal with, what you deal with. gets everywhere and it just seems to make our lives so messy. It's killed our relationships with others, with ourselves, and if we're honest, God, it kills our relationship with you. Sometimes it just feels like the fire has gone out in our lives and our passion for you. And you're wanting on this day where we celebrate your transfiguration. Help us to hear like the disciples did so long ago, the voice from the cloud saying, this is my son, listen to him. And may we place all of our trust in Jesus and call on his name so that we would know the truth that while sin 
is serious. It is not superior to His ability to set us free, to sanctify us through and through, and to make us holy, healthy from the inside out. This morning, God, if there are those right now who have never called on the name of Jesus, I want to invite them right now. I want to invite you right where you are to just simply say these words, Jesus. Come into my life. Show me my sin. Help me to confess it to you receive your forgiveness walk with me in this time and let me see that you are superior to my very serious sin lead me and guide me and help me for I pray we pray and ask all of these things in the very powerful name of Jesus our Savior and everyone said Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time here or online, please let us know about that. We're excited when someone calls on the name of Jesus. We're excited when someone decides to let Him set them free from sin. And we want that for you. We want to know about that. We want to celebrate with you. So let us know online or come let us know here in the building. We are excited for you and we want to help you on this journey all the way home. Would you receive this blessing? And now, may you experience the joy of calling on the name of Jesus. And may you find that it is wonderful, that it is powerful, that it is beautiful, that it is able to set you free. I pray that you will dare to enter into this season of Lent willing to go on a journey with Jesus who will show you your sin but as soon as you speak his name he will release you he will heal you he will forgive I pray that you will experience that every day of this week and in every service. And I pray and ask this blessing upon you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Go in peace. Go in His very strong name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.